are kicking off our new sermon series called Super, and uh, we are super excited about it and uh, ready for, you guys didn't laugh this morning at that, that's a bummer, um, but uh, yeah, there you go, all right, come on. All right, so uh, we are super excited about it, it's going to be a lot of fun um, talking about superheroes and uh, the life that God has for us, the superhero life that he wants us to live and, and really asking ourselves the question of what type of superhero do you want to be is what we're going to be looking at and, and talking about, so it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, as, as we were brainstorming about what to call this sermon series and, and working through it together, Pastor Fred and, and Chris and I, we were all talking and we landed on this. We're like, that actually might be something. And we're like, who knows? Maybe it's just us. I don't know, but we're going to go with it. And so uh, we put it up on Facebook this week. Hey, we need your help. Let us know who your favorite superhero is. We did not realize how many nerds we had in the church. And uh, it, was, it was crazy how uh, many people were just like, oh, this superhero, this. And then there was almost like a battle on Facebook between DC and Marvel and, and all this different people writing just books about who their favorite superhero is and why. It was fantastic. Uh, a couple of them put some different things. Malcolm. Uh, from the Newport News campus, he put Captain America because America. And that was good. David Godwin, uh, at first, uh, him and his wife were putting something about each other being their favorite superheroes. And I was like, that's ridiculous. Get over it. David, I know that you're a super nerd, so what is your real answer? And David finally said, Wolverine, because he has adamantium claws. Right, so that's pretty cool. I mean, that is pretty. That is pretty beastly. So I mean, that's pretty awesome. Nate Nowotny, one of our elders, he put Mighty Mouse because it was the first superhero he remembers seeing as a kid, um, and he's still a kid. So uh, that's just the way that one is. Uh, Jennifer Wilson, she put Wonder Woman, of course, because girls rule. So, um, ladies in the house, that one's for you. Uh, Erica Thatcher, she's not here this morning. She's, uh, uh, she put this. Um, this was fantastic. She put personally, I'm partial to the villains. And I was like, well, that's good. <laughs> But if, the good, if, but if it has to be a good guy, I just love that, it's Batman all day. He has no superpower needed. He used all of the bad that happened to him and all the good uh, that he had to help others. He fought next to those heroes with superpowers, yet held his own with just what his heart and mind could do. Plus, he has the coolest symbol. And so I was like, that's true right there. That's good stuff. That is so true. She is the winner of our DVD, so she isn't here this morning. Um, so I need to know in here this morning, who, she's got another chance. I mean, we're about winners and losers at City Life, and since she's not here, she's a loser this morning. And so um, I need to know, who, who in here, who is your favorite superhero and why? Let me hear some, anybody in here, if you've got a favorite superhero, anybody in here? Sarah. That's good. And you do that. You live that life. Anybody else? Who's your favorite superhero? Anybody else in here? You got a favorite superhero you like? Nobody else? Yes. Who? I don't know that one. I don't know that one. Shark Boy. All right. All right. Any other ones? Any other ones? Ricky. I knew you would have one. Wolverine. Why Wolverine? <laughs> All right, right here. The Hulk. Why the Hulk? He gets angry for a good cause. All right, Reuben. Batman. Why Batman? All right, that's good right there. All right, we're going to give it to Sarah because she is Miss Elastomom. She does everything and anything. So give it up for you. Little Superman movie right there for you. If you're new to the church, you're like, that was a little bit awkward, get used to it. We do that a lot. Um, we're going to call on you and talk to you a lot. But, um, so, so this idea of being a superhero, this idea of superheroes, the reason we went with this is, is because as we were talking and talking about the things that Pastor Fred even just mentioned, is that there's this reality about you and I, each and every one of us that live here on this earth, that we are made in the image of God, and because we're made in the image of God, we're made for so much more oftentimes than what we live for. 
that there's this sense, there's this identity that is inside of us that sometimes is deep, it's hidden. Sometimes it's a moment that we discover it. Sometimes it's one of those things that's never really revealed. But when it is, when we really discover who we are in Christ, that there's a sense of we are made new and that we truly begin to be ourselves and we begin to live this whole new life. And so uh, maybe uh, as today, as we go through and we start talking about the topic we're talking about today is overeating. And maybe as I start talking about that, you say, I have no issue when it comes to that. That's not a big deal. I'm healthy. I eat three meals a day and two small snacks and both of them are almonds and they're unsalted. I'm just a good person. Uh, And you're just like, I don't know if this message is for me. I just want to encourage you just to stay engaged and to listen. And if you're like, I don't know if I need to be here for this week or not to be here for this week, I I want you to stay engaged. I want you to be a part of these sermon series because it's not just going through and talking about a weakness that a person deals with. What it is talking about, the generality, what I believe you could hear as we go through these sermon series is it's not about a weakness that a person has, but it's actually a, a conversation that you and I can be a part of that as we listen to it and we're highlighting a weakness or we highlight something that people give themselves to instead of what God has called them to give themselves to that really God can reveal to you and to me in each one of these things a strength that's inside of us that he wants us to know is there. That there's this identity, that there's this reality in you and I that we could be living this excessive life. We can be living this big life for God and that there's something inside of us that each one of us needs to get and understand and see that we can do that. So we're going to spend the next four weeks just looking deep into who we are, past the mask and past the exteriors. And we just want to see who Jesus sees us to be. And so this is a powerful message for each one of us because it's not just a message about an issue. It's a message about God speaking to you and to I and revealing our understanding of desires. See, each and every one of us, we have desires. There's not a person in this room that doesn't have a desire for something. If anything, you're like, no, I am like the most low-key person in the world. I don't have any desires. You're breathing right now. You have a desire to breathe. If you don't agree with me, then hold your breath. You will take a breath, right? We have desires. There's things in each of us. We have natural desires. And we're going to be talking about some of those. We have natural desires for provision. We have natural desires for food. We have natural desires for sex. We have these natural desires. They're there. They're in each and every one of us. There's also some unnatural desires. Right? If you've ever been a kid or even still now, every once in a while, you stare up into the sky and you just think, what would it be like if I could fly? you got some unnatural desires. Has anybody ever felt that? What would it be like if I could fly? Not in a plane, if I could just take off like Superman. Have you ever felt like that? Or watch Spider-Man like Brayden and I did yesterday. Spider-Man, we were watching the cartoons. And I'm like, what would it be like to swing from the buildings? That would be so awesome, right? Just to, to know. I mean, there's some unnatural desires that each and every one of us have. Just things that are just beyond us. Uh, Brayden and I were talking the other day, talking about the sermon series, you know. Uh, Brayden just asked me out of the blue. He's like, Dad, uh, what would be your favorite or or what would be your choice of a superpower if you could have one? And I was like, freeze time. And he's like, freeze time, huh? And he's like, why would that be your favorite? And I was like, because it would just be so much fun. Like, I mean, you just, just freeze time and just everybody's just kind of still. You can walk around and take somebody's taco out of their hand while they're eating it. And they just be like, what happened? And, you know, all this. So we started talking about why it would be so awesome. And, and I mean, he's nine, getting ready to turn 10. He thinks about these crazy just things that he'll never be able to do. But there's just something in each one. We, we think that way. We, we've got the desires to experience things that are beyond us, and the, the reality and the truth of that is, is because we also have desires that are beyond this world. We have desires that are beyond our physical makeup. We have desires that are beyond our reality in this life. We, we have things in each one of us that we want to do or experience and be a part of. In Ecclesiastes, uh, Solomon, as he's writing, he's writing out these different things and he's just reflecting on life and he's just saying, hey, listen, man, it just doesn't make any sense. I mean, if, if, if a person lives and they do all the right things and, and whatever else, I mean, they die. And then if a person does all the wrong things and, and they live this horrible life, they, they, they die. I mean, it's just kind of like whatever you do, it doesn't really matter. It's just kind of all it ends and it's short and it's what is this really life really about? But then in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11, he says, wait a minute, I think I've discovered it. That there's these things that God has placed in us, these desires that he's given us in this life so that we live life, so that we live a healthy life, so that we live a good life, a fulfilled life. But there's also something inside of us. Solomon, he says, there is eternity placed inside of us. 
There's this thing inside of us that's it's other, it's beyond us. It's not just I need food and I need air. There's something beyond this world that's inside of us. In Romans, as Paul's writing out Romans in Romans chapter 1, he opens up with this idea that, that, that people, as they were following God, that, that they got to this point where they just decided, you know what, we, we're not going to trust God. We're not going to obey God. We're not going to follow him. And he says in, in Romans in chapter 1, starting in verse 18, and all throughout the rest of Romans there, he's just like, listen, every single person, there's something inside them. They, they look at the sky. They look at the stars. They look at the world. They look at all these things, and nobody has an excuse because there's this wonder inside of us. There's, there's this calling inside of us that when, when we're young, when we're old, we look at the sky, we look at the world, and we just wonder, who made this? It's so intricate, and it's so beautiful, and it's so great. I mean, there's got to be something more than just I'm here and then I'm gone. We, we look up in, in, in the sky, and we look at it and just, what is beyond? I mean, are there aliens out there? Are there different planets? Is there life on different planets? Is there a God? What does heaven look like? We spend time thinking about these things, pondering these things. Philosophers, 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 all throughout time. I mean, these are things that have driven them. I mean, they're looking at it, whether they're Christians or whether they're, they were committed to God or not. They, they've asked these questions because there's this eternity inside of us. There's, there's something that pulls us beyond the natural that's beyond where we are. And so we see all of these things happening. We see the sense that as you look through Scripture in all these different places, that there's something inside of us, there's this desire inside of us that longs for more. C.S. Lewis, this idea, this very idea is the thing that led C.S. Lewis to commit his life to Christ and to follow him. C.S. Lewis writes this in his book of um, uh, Mere Christianity. He says this, he says, Creatures are not born with desires. Unless satisfaction for these desires exist. A baby feels hunger. Well, there's such a thing as food. A duckling wants to swim. Well, there's a such a thing as water. Men feel sexual desire. Well, there's a such thing as sex. If I find myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. See, in, in this, this sense that there's something more inside of us, there's this longing, there's this desire for something that's beyond what this world has to offer. It, it's, it's even made evidence in the idea that since the beginning of time, I mean, since man's been here, we've tried to amass wealth. We've tried to build kingdoms. I, there's men and there's women who have done amazing things. They've conquered the world over. They've done all of these things. They've had everything. There was nothing at once for them, but yet they were still longing for something that they could not find here. I, there's not a person that today that has everything they want that doesn't still want something more. I mean, so it, it's proven over and over and over again, and this is what compelled C.S. Lewis, and it's one of the biggest apologetic arguments is that there's this existence for God because we can't be satisfied completely in who we are in the things that are present in this world. So there has to be something more. There has to be something beyond us and beyond this planet. And so this morning as we start this conversation, as we begin looking into these things and we talk about desires, what we want you to hear and we want you to get is that the desires are not bad. That there's nothing wrong with having a desire for something. Even if it's something like food, there's nothing bad about having a desire for food. Yesterday, I, po I popped up on my Facebook feed, the best 15 burgers in the state of Virginia worth the drive. I downloaded that. I saved it. I'm going to enjoy some burgers around Virginia as I track around. There's nothing wrong with enjoying food. Alex just got excited about that. We can go. There's one here in Williamsburg on the list right now from the trellis. So uh, we can go do that sometime soon. But um, so, I mean, there's nothing wrong with enjoying good things. There's nothing wrong with having a desire to enjoy those things. The problem is, and the reality is, what's happened in our culture, the shift that's happened in a lot of our lives is, is that it's not the desire that's the issue, it's that the satisfaction becomes the desire. And when that satisfaction becomes the desire, what happens is, is this capacity for excess that's inside of each and every one of us. This, this reality of eternity, this desire for something more, when we desire the satisfaction and that becomes the main thing that we look for. What happens is, is we get off balance and we begin to lose this capacity for excellence, this capacity for excess. And instead we begin to settle and we give, begin to move farther and further away from the life that God has for us. See, the reality is, is that each and every one of us, we need to see in our lives that we were made for excess. 
I mean, this morning, if you were sitting here and you're in your chair, you're breathing, you were made for excess. You were not made for a little life. You were not made for a small life. You were not made for an insignificant life that has no impact on anybody else or the world around you. You were made for an excessive life. You were made by an excessive God. You were made to live an excessive life of joy and peace and fulfillment. You were made to be excessively good because you serve and live because of an excessively good God. You were made to love excessively, to show mercy excessively, to extend grace excessively, to offer forgiveness excessively. This is the excessive life that you and I were made for. We were made to live our lives big. We were made to live our lives great for God. We were made for this. And this is what we want each one of us to hear this morning, that we're capable of living this excessive life and being this superhero, discovering this true identity of who we are, living big, living beyond the normal because of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. This morning, each one of us, we have something that is pulling us to do more, be a part of more, and that's a God-given reality in you. We want to reorient. We want to reshift the focus and make the desire where it's supposed to be for the natural things and the desire for the supernatural things be discovered and shown in the person of Jesus Christ. And that's what we're looking at this morning. Neil Anderson, he says this, the more you affirm who you are in Christ, the more your behavior will begin to reflect your true identity. So let's pray. Father, we just pray. That as we have this conversation, Lord, that you do just that. That you reveal the true identity of who we are as we look at Jesus. God, and I pray that our eyes just be open wide, that our minds be open wide, our hearts be open wide to who Jesus is and what Jesus has done and the life that he's called us to. And he's given us opportunity to live because of the life that he lived. Father, direct us and guide us this morning. Let this be a conversation. Let this be a message that impacts each and every one of us. Lord, we thank you and we praise you. In the name of Jesus, amen. Everybody doing well? Everybody awake? All right, good stuff. All right. I need affirmation. It's an issue I have. So you got blank stares. I'm going to start calling on you. All right. Galatians chapter 5 is where we're going to be this morning. I'm going to be reading out the message translation. We will have it on the screen, so you can follow along there if you want to read it word for word. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. But what happens when we live God's way? He brings gifts into our lives, much the same way that fruit appears in an orchard. Things like affection for others, exuberance. I love the word the exuberance, and that's the whole reason I used this passage in this translation. Exuberance, it means this, the quality of being full of excitement, growing profusely, luxuriance. That's what this word exuberance means, this life that we're supposed to have, this exuberant, we're, that we're exuberant about life and serenity. We develop a willingness to stick with things. A sense of compassion in the heart and a conviction that a basic holiness permeates things and people. We find ourselves involved in loyal commitments, not needing to force our way in life. Able to marshal and direct our energies wisely. Legalism is helpless in bringing this about. It only gets in the way. Among those who belong to Christ, everything connected with getting our own way and mindlessly responding to what everyone else calls necessities is killed off for good, crucified. See, the reason that we've attached this idea of superhero to it is, is that, one, superheroes are cool. And we all have our favorites, even though none of you wanted to talk about it this morning, except for people on this side of the room. Not only do we have our favorite superheroes, but we also, each and every single one of us, there's something that we would like to do that's beyond us. There's something that we would like to experience. There was some supernatural thing that we would like to do. But at the same time, we also see, and there's something compelling about the story and the life of superheroes. I mean, it's just amazing to me how superheroes can just live on, and it seems just to con- they just continue, and they're reborn in every generation. 
I mean, when my dad was younger and they had Superman come out for the first time in, in 1968, I believe it was, that the first time it came out when Pastor Fred was like 20, um, they, they came out. I'm just kidding. I had to. I'm just trying to get some life here. Okay. All right. So, and I just use you. All right. So, all right. So, um, when, so when Superman first came out, you know, I mean, it was, it was a good movie, but I've watched it and I was just like, oh, that's pretty bad, right? But the new Supermans that come out, I mean, they're pretty awesome. And it's just like, it's a whole new story. There's this whole new development that's there. And what I love about it is, is that the new Supermans that come out, the new Batmans that have come out, what, they, what they're going deeper into is not their special abilities, but they're going deeper into the story of who they are. The story, the development of how they've become to be. And there's something compelling to each and every one of us about that. That there's a sense, there's this process in each and every one of us that there's something we believe to be real about who we are or, or what we can do or, or what we can be a part of. We believe it to be true, but we know there's this process. And so we love watching and seeing all these things happen and develop in somebody else's life where they go and they do great things. I mean, that's what makes a great movie a great movie, whether it's a superhero movie or not. It's just this process, this journey. And see, in the story of each and every one superhero, there's a moment, there's a point where they had to make a decision. They had to make a decision that they were either going to live a normal life or they had to make a decision that they were going to live this super life. That there's this process that they had to go through, that there's as many of them, there's this wrestling of going through, of realizing what they have to give up and what they have to sacrifice, what, what most people would say are normal necessities. Most of all of the superheroes struggle with losing some sense of romantic relationship. They go through and they wrestle with this and they have some, you know, person on the side that they're trying to stay connected with. But then ultimately, you know, it's dramatic and it's horrible and, you know, and we love bad love stories. And so, uh, it, so it's relationships. So they have to give up some sense of identity or, or friendships. They have to give up a career or they have to give up all of these different things. They have to, to hide their real identity so that they can live this super identity, this sense that they have to give something up, that they have to make this decision to live this extraordinary life. But each and every one of them, as they had to make that decision, the reason they made that decision is because they realized that they have an extraordinary gift, that this extraordinary gift is one that if used for good, it makes a difference in the world. And so as we have this conversation, what each one of us is saying is that there's something in our life because of Jesus Christ that makes us extraordinary. It reveals the true extraordinary goodness and reality of who we are. It shows our identity to be what God wants us to be and who through Jesus he sees us to be. And there's this process. And we have to make this decision of saying, you know what, everybody says this is normal. But normal for me is not doing these things. Normal for me is doing what God's called me to. That's the conversation that we have to have with ourselves. And so with that today, let's reset our desire for our appetite in its proper place so we can focus on Jesus and what he has in mind for us. The verse that we're gonna start with to help us look at eating is this, is Proverbs chapter 23, verse two. If you're a big eater, put a knife to your throat. So let's talk about overeating. Thank you, Celeste, for finding that funny. We're going to dive into this verse fully, but this verse right here about overeating, it's a verse that we look at a lot of times when it comes to gluttony, when it comes to different things, it sets our mindset. And so we're going to have a conversation on a whole about this, but overeating, it's something in our lives. It's something as Pastor Fred was talking about during the worship wrap up moment is, is that there's this sense that we're made for excess. We're made for this greatness. But what happens in our lives is, is that sometimes as we're going through life, we, we excessively commit ourselves to something. And as we excessively commit ourselves to those things that we end up in this place where we're kind of lost and just not really who we're supposed to be. And we find these habits and we find these things going on. And, and so we're talking about overeating today because it's a big issue in our culture. It's a big issue in our culture. And it's a bigger issue than I think we even realize. And so this morning what I want to do real quickly is, is go through and look at overeating, why we do it. The first one is, is because of bad habits. And we can find ourselves in that, that we overeat because we just got really bad habits. We, we, we go to work all day and, and we're super tired from work. And so we sit down after dinner on the couch and we start watching TV and then it's a bowl of ice cream. And then after the bowl of ice cream, it's a couple M&Ms. And then after the couple M&Ms, it's, you know, and I'm just revealing what happens to my life, right? And so, uh, it, you know, it's just these things. And so every night, instead of it just being a bowl of ice cream, once it's, it's a bowl of ice cream every night and then maybe it's two bowls of ice cream. 
we just develop these bad habits, these things in our lives, and it begins to develop these cravings in each and every one of us. Research actually shows that the reason that we overeat, many of us is, is because what we eat causes us to overeat. And so what we eat actually impacts us. And so we develop these cravings and these habits because of what we're eating. And so we begin to overeat for those reasons. There's also emotional reasons that people overeat because there's emotional things happening in their life and because of circumstances, because of the way they've been raised, because of things that have been said to them, things that have happened to them, they eat because of these situations. And so there's these emotional things that can happen it happens because of one, uh, I, I got an article if you're interested in reading, I can give you the link later, but this article, it talks about these five different emotional reasons that we eat, and the first one is fight or flight. This eating is to soothe uh, the buildup of anxiety and fear. That, that we're eating because there's something going on, so there's anxiety, so I don't wanna deal with it, so I'm gonna eat instead. Another reason is comfort eating, that we eat to comfort ourselves because of loss, because of, uh, of, of a confusion, or, or because of different situations. I remember in my life, there was a time where something bad happened in my life. This hits two at one time, because I'm just that awesome of a person. But there was a situation at work one time where I got dragged into something, and, and literally my, my job was on the line, and it was, it was a horrible assault on my character, it wasn't true. It was just a crazy situation by two people that I loved and respected. And, and, and I mean, it was just a crazy, crazy situation. So I went to the store after work and I bought clothes and then I went home and ate an entire frozen pizza and a bunch of ice cream. You know, it's this thing that you just like, you do things. So I overspent and I overate, right? And so that's where I was because I was trying to comfort myself. I was trying to deal with something through these external things instead of doing them properly. Thirdly, we numb out, that we just eat because we don't literally want to feel our feelings. We literally just don't want to feel anything, so we eat and eat just to keep us from feeling. Then also there's frustration. You just get so frustrated. You get so tired of a situation. There's just something going on. It's just driving you crazy that nothing will fix it except for a milkshake from cookout. And so you just, you're so frustrated, and you're just like, I just ate, but it doesn't matter that Oreo milkshake is going to be delicious and can you make it an extra large you know because <laughs> you're just so frustrated and so there's this deal there's this issue inside of you and so it's an emotional reason it's, it's it's something that's real that people go through on a regular basis and maybe you've been there and any of these maybe you this you find yourself in this one it's a self-attack that there's things that have been going wrong in your life and because they've been going wrong you blame yourself and, and so what you do is, is you're so frustrated with yourself. You're so discouraged in who you are. You, you see all the bad that's in your life and you blame yourself for that badness. So instead of recognizing the goodness that's there, instead of recognizing the goodness that's in you, especially if you're a follower of Christ, recognizing who Jesus has called you to be and the freedom that you're supposed to have, you so involve yourself and get surrounded by the badness that you begin to attack yourself. And you attack yourself by eating food because you know if you eat food, it's gonna make you feel gross. And you know if you feel gross that you're gonna eventually get to this place where you're not satisfied with who you are and how you look. And so what you're really doing is you're just proving to yourself that you're not good. And so you just eat and eat and eat to make yourself look and feel the way that in your heart you believe yourself to be. There's a self-attack that's happening. There's this thing that's taking, these are deep emotional issues that happen and they're reasons for people's overeating. See, I think a lot of times what happens is in the church is, is that we go through and we just look at overeating and we kind of blow by it, one, because it hits too close to home and we just don't want to deal with it. Or, or, or we consider this issue of gluttony, of overeating, we consider this issue to be one of obesity and we just go and we just attack the sense that you just need to stop. You need to stop eating that. You need to stop the drive-throughs. You need to stop that. And yeah, there are people in situations. There are people that have bad habits. If I were to be honest, looking through scripture, what a glutton is, there are issues in my life. I struggle with it because I have bad habits. I let myself get to a place where I eat things that I shouldn't eat and I eat in ways that I shouldn't eat because I'm looking for food to be a comfort or I'm looking for food to be a distraction. And so it's an issue that's beyond just people that are struggling with obesity. That people are struggling with that not just because of overeating, they're struggling with it because there's emotional issues that need to be taking place. There's things that need to be dealt with and there's things that need to be happening in your life. Also, there's physical reasons. 
This is a big issue for us to consider because a lot of times we can get judgmental and we just think that person's dealing with an issue and this issue isn't for me. That's what I was saying this morning when I started off, like, hey, if you don't think overeating's an issue for you, listen up because, hey, there's some things in here that can reveal because we actually might find, wow, that is an issue for me. And overspending, you're like, my, balance, my, my check account, it's balanced. No, there might be some things that you need to really look at and you need to consider. Because see, there's this way of life that we have and there's this way of life that God has. And this way that life of the God has, it's one of freedom and joy. It's one of excess. It's one of liberty. It's one of, of just everything that God wants for us. Does that mean that bad things don't happen? No, it just means that even in the midst of bad things, you still know joy and peace. See, there's this life that God wants us to have that's super, it's beyond, it's other, it's something that seems unattainable, but because of Jesus, it really is obtainable. See, there's physical issues as well that happen. There's physical reasons for overeating, which include low blood sugar, food allergies or intolerances, sugar sensitivities, some type of overgrowth. It's called candidia. I just blamed Canada for that one. Vitamin or mineral deficiencies, hormonal imbalances, and there's so much more. There's physical things that could be going on in a person's life. We look at them and we say, they struggle with overeating. But really, there's something physical going on that the doctor needs to explain to them. Or they've been going to the doctor and they're doing everything they can, and that's just the reality. We have to extend grace to them. And the more important thing is, is that when we're having this conversation, we need to listen and say, what is God really saying when he's talking about overeating, when he's talking about gluttony? What is the issue that I need to be aware of? Not pointing the finger and say, what do they need to be aware of? And that's the way it is in each one of these things. And so we're going to jump into that just a little bit as we go back to Proverbs chapter 23. The context of this whole scripture, the context of this, this, this idea of this verse is found in verses 1 through 3. It says, while dining with a ruler, pay attention to what is put before you. If you are a big eater, put a knife to your throat. Don't desire all the delicacies, for he might be trying to trick you. See, this verse is about more than what we generally make it to mean. It's more about selling yourself out for desire and putting yourself in a, in a harmful situation where somebody can manipulate you because you want the satisfaction of eating a great meal with a rich person. It's putting yourself in this bad place that you can be manipulated to do something you don't want to do or be somewhere that you shouldn't be. See, it's this putting the satisfaction above the natural desire. The natural desire is to eat food. Is it bad to eat food? No. Is it bad to eat food at good restaurants? No. But is it bad to continually put yourself in places where you're vulnerable and people could actually manipulate you through your stomach? Yes. Because what you're doing is you're jeopardizing the life that God's called you to, the values that he's called you to. You're putting yourself in a place of submission to someone else other than Christ. And that's the issue of this verse. It's a bigger issue for us that we've got to look at and see in each one of us that this conversation of overeating, this conversation is not just one that struggles with a certain issue, a result of it, that is for each and every one of us. That God's saying to us, guard yourself, protect yourself. That because of this natural desire of eating food, and we all like food. In fact, the Bible is actually pretty positive on food. Jesus is pretty positive on food. I mean, before Jesus leaves, he sets up a meal that we do on a regular basis to remember him. And he talks about and gives us a promise of and a hope of a really cool meal up in heaven that we can't even imagine. Jesus is pretty big on food. When all the Pharisees and the Sadducees weren't eating and they were taking their break, Jesus was sitting there stealing popcorn off of the field, right, and just enjoying food and teaching his disciples just to, you know, just kind of just, Jesus liked food, I like Jesus, so we're good, right? It's not so much this issue of food that we're talking about, really it's this issue of our understanding of the purpose of food, and it's our understanding of the life that God wants us to live as we partake in the things that he's given us. It's reorienting ourselves, it's discerning, it's disciplining ourselves to say there's moments for feasting and there's moments for fasting. There's a, there's a way of life that says this feeds a natural desire that I have. And yes, I can find satisfaction in it. But my satisfaction is not abundance. My satisfaction is not always luxurious. The satisfaction is, is that God always provides. 
that he always provides, and he provides an excess, that there's moments and there's these times that I'm just eating normal food, I'm just eating manna that's from the sky, I'm just eating doves that are just falling from the sky, but then there's these other times that God says, no, there's a land of milk and honey that I have for you. See, it's a sense that we understand the purposes of our desires and also see the reality of who God is, that God wants us to live a disciplined life, he wants us to live a committed life, and he also wants to take us and show us that he has a life where he blesses us and loves us. So there's this big conversation that's happening in each and every one of these. Kevin DeYoung, one of my favorite pastors, he points out that the Catholic catechism, it doesn't call the seven deadly sins deadly sins, but it actually calls them capital sins because they engender other sins and other vices. If you go all throughout time and you look, different theologians all throughout time, they, they, they looked at gluttony in different ways. Augustine, he looked at gluttony. Uh, it, was a pro- it was not a problem of food, but of how we sought it and for what reason. C.S. Lewis, he writes this. I like C.S. Lewis, and for whatever reason, he's all in my sermon this morning. But C.S. Lewis, he writes this in the screw tape letters. He says, one of the greatest achievements... Uh, so this, let me set this up real quick. This is uh, the Screw Tape Letters. If you've never read the book, this is a, a fantastic book, but it's one that uh, C.S. Lewis is writing of two demons uh, interacting with each other where one's basically discipling another to, to help corrupt people and mess people up. And so they're writing this, this letter back and forth together, talking about the mischief they're causing in the world and the dismay they're causing in people's lives. And so they go through and they write this um, to each other. C.S. Lewis says this uh, as in this conversation. This is one of the greatest achievements of the last hundred years has been to deaden the human conscience on the subject so that by now you will hardly find a sermon preached or a conscience troubled about it in the whole length and breadth of Europe. And it's talking about gluttony. This has largely been affected by concentrating all of our efforts on gluttony of delicacy, not gluttony of excess. Your patient's mother, as I learned from the dossier, and you might have learned from Glubos, is a good example. She would be astonished one day, I hope, will be, to learn that her whole life is enslaved to this kind of sensuality, which is quite concealed from her by the fact that the quantities involved are small. But what do quantities matter, provided we can use a human belly and a palate to produce querulousness, impatience, uncharitableness, and self-concern. See, the reality is, is that gluttony is not, overeating is not so much an issue about what we put in our stomach or how much we put in our stomach. Gluttony is the reality of being ruled by your stomach. That you put yourself in places that are compromising. You put your pla- yourself in places that are harmful. You put yourself in a place where you can actually become prideful about what you eat. You become so caught up in what you're eating, why you're eating it, and how you're eating it. That you disregard other people's feelings. That you begin to actually, I- I've met people, they're so focused on their food. They're super healthy. They're super committed to what they eat. And they're some of the most gluttonous people I've ever met in my life. Because they're so just caught up with food. It's their entire life. It's their entire way of life. It's their entire conversation. And not only are they living in this life where they're consuming massive amounts of food, but yet still being healthy, they have massive amount of waste in the sense that they don't eat everything that they buy and they don't eat everything that they make. And it's, it's excessive. It's crazy. They have a disregard for the way of life. They have a disregard for others. They're so focused on what they're consuming, but yet they're healthy. See, it's this mindset, this sense of in our lives that there's this desire And this desire, it is right, it is good to like food, to want food. And you might find yourself in a place where you say, I'm not obese, I'm not dealing with these things. It doesn't mean that this conversation can't reveal a deeper understanding of the life that God has for you. It doesn't mean that this conversation is one that is irrelevant for you. If you are struggling with these things and you struggle with overeating and there are results in your life that you see because of that. You need to hear today, just as much as the other person needs to hear today, that God is calling us to a life that is beyond, a life that is one that is found in him, a life that is one that is freedom. It's one that makes us to understand who he is and to live the life that he wants us to live. It's this life that says you are right now and you are becoming You are being made in the likeness of Jesus Christ, who is exuberant, who is excessive, who is amazing. That is the person who you are now because of him and who you are becoming. 
It's this sense of knowing who we are, that there's something that I can do in this life. And so when I go through, I have to discipline myself. I have to commit myself. I have to say, I'm going to follow in the way that God has for me. And so when it comes to food, I'm going to take in food. I'm going to have a balanced diet. I'm going to have a diet that helps me to be healthy so that I can be around for my kids. I'm going to have a balanced diet that helps me to have the energy to do what God's called me to do. See, for me, when I get into the habits that I have and I fall into eating the way that I would prefer to eat because of different situations or because of likes or because of habits or because of all these things, I actually find myself with less energy. And so God gives me all of these things to do and and I have this week full of agendas and people to meet with and people to reveal the goodness of Christ, but I'm dragging because I'm eating bad things. I'm actually living smaller. I'm not revealing my true identity found in Christ to people. I'm actually revealing the small identity of who I am to people because I'm caught up and I'm focused on something else other than Jesus. See, as we go through and we look at this Kevin DeYoung, again, he puts it this way. He says, gluttony is using food in a way that dulls us from the spiritual and distracts us from God. You might be the most physically fit person or you might not. You might be struggling with this or you might not feel like you are. See, overeating isn't about having too much food. Though that's a huge part of it. Overeating is about focusing on food as a way to make sense of or suppress the longing for excess that is inside of us. There's this thing inside of us, and sometimes we just don't understand it. We can't make sense of all that we feel on the inside. We we look at our job, we look at our marriage, we look at our homes, we look at the dreams that we have, and we, we sense this restlessness. We feel this pull on the inside of us that says, I'm a part of something bigger. I'm, I'm supposed to be doing more. There's supposed to be more happening in my life, and we feel this, and we sense it, and we see it, and we can't make sense of it. And because we can't make sense of it, we default And we get out of balance and the capacity for excess is now lost in something small instead of lost in the greatness and the excess of Jesus Christ's glory. See, there's this shift that has to happen in us. There's this mindset that we have to have that says, you know what, I'm committed to doing the things that God has for me. I don't want to be dulled to the life that God has for me. I don't want to suppress those things. I want to be fully alive to him. And, and if I gotta self-discipline myself, if I've gotta correct some things, if I gotta realize that I'm in a place of hurt, I'm in a place of pain, I'm in a place of shame right now, and this is revealing to me why that's happening. It's revealing to me why I have the habits that I have, why I'm doing the things that I do. If you see your excess in another way, you see that you're so focused on it and that you're giving yourself to food that you look at it and you say, you know what, I'm not trusting God. I'm trying to take things in my control instead. And I've gone completely on the opposite side of things this morning to hear that God has freedom for you that he has this life this excessive this exuberant life he wants you to live and it's one where you're caught up and focused on him doing the necessary things you have to do to live that life instead of caught up in the things that you have to do and ignoring the life that he has for you that's where we are this morning man that's good stuff right there and everybody's quiet spiritual reasons the last one we live our way instead of God's way I was going to go through a couple things here, but you see in the New Testament, or not in the New Testament, in all of Scripture, there's, depending on what translation you look at, but the most that I could find is in the ESV that the word gluttony or a form of gluttony was used four times all in Scripture. And, and all of those times are attached to the word drunkenness. Even when they're used as slander towards Jesus Christ, there's this sense, there's this reality of them being attached to that. In Proverbs chapter 27, verse um, I believe it's, I don't know, it's Proverbs chapter 27, just trust me on that. But Proverbs chapter 27, uh, I believe it's verse 3, I'm not sure though. Uh, it, the word in the New Living Translation, it translates it wild, but most translations translate it as gluttony. And it's talking about the life of a youth, a parent. They, they've done all these things to raise their kid, but they've become gluttonous. They've become wild. There's a sense of public disorder. There's a sense of, I know what's right. I know what I'm supposed to do. I know there's a way to life. I know there's a living to life that I'm supposed to do, but I'm going to disregard that. I'm just going to throw it all out. I don't care about that. I'm just going to live a life of disorder, and I'm going to focus on these things, these exuberant, fun things in this world, because I'm going to try to find that place of excess in my life. I'm going to try to find fulfillment in the things of this world world by doing that instead of the things of God. 
See, it's a sense that gluttony is not just so much about eating. It's about the sense of what's going on in our hearts, that it's a stepping stone, that it's a beginning of a revelation of really what's going on inside of us, that we don't care about the excess of who God is. We just want the excess of what life has to offer. So, as a follower of Christ, what do we do instead? We feast on Jesus Christ. We feast on Jesus Christ. In Psalms chapter 39, David is writing to his choir director, and he's seeking in beginning of Psalm chapter 39, and he's saying, listen, I just made up my mind that I'm going to do what I have to do, and I'm going to bite my tongue, and I'm just not even going to speak when certain people are around. And then, wouldn't you know it, as I found myself doing that, and people are around, and I'm biting my tongue, I just found myself on fire and that much more worked up. Have you ever found yourself in that situation where you're just like, I'm going to do this because I believe it's the right thing to do, and it actually just drives you even madder and just even crazier. And, and so David finds, I'm just not even going to speak when these people are around. And then in verse or chapter 40, we see this totally different mindset. In chapter 40, we see David saying this, I can't stop talking about you. I realized how good you are, and I realized how great you are. I have to talk about who you are. I don't care who's around. I'm going to shout it out. I don't care what's taking place. I'm going to tell everybody about the good things that you've done in my life. If you're struggling with overeating this morning, I want you to talk about, and I want you to look in your life. No matter what end of the spectrum you are, because we've talked about now for a few moments, that there's not just a sense of I've eaten 32 hamburgers today. It's a sense of I'm, I'm not focused properly. I don't have a true understanding of the order of the way of disciplining myself and saying I'm committed to the way that God has. I'm not going to get lost in it. If it's that, if you find yourself in that place today and you're struggling with this, I want you to consider this, to look at your life and to say, man, I've been quiet for way too long been quiet for way too long. What happens in our life is, and what we see in the emotional issues of eating disorders and, and all of their different ways, and, and we see all these things, is that what we happens is we pull away from life. The reason I have those bad habits and I eat multiple bowls of ice cream is because I want to pull away from life. I just want to decompress, and so I decompress it in a bowl of ice cream instead of decompressing in a proper and healthy way. Does that mean I shouldn't eat ice cream? No, I should, and I should enjoy my ice cream, right? Especially if it's made out of chocolate and has some kind of peanut butter in it. That is what I should do. However, if I'm not processing, if I'm not committing myself to live in the goodness of who Jesus is, and if I'm not aware of who he is and who he's made me to be, I'm not speaking, I'm not singing, I'm not committing to speaking of his goodness and praising him in my life, what happens is, is I withdraw, I pull away from the life that I can find in Christ, that I have in Christ, and I commit myself and overwhelm myself in the life that I have, and I then, because of this excess, because this need to be connected with the the eternal excessive God, this need overwhelms me in other things. So if you find yourself in a place today, I just want to challenge you and I want to encourage you, praise like you've never praised before. Talk about who God is. Share of his goodness. If you feel like you're a bad person, if you feel like you should be ashamed and you should hurt yourself, look and know that God does not look at you that way. God looks at you with love and mercy and grace. He doesn't see a hurt, scarred person. He sees a loved person. He sees a person that is cherished. He sees a purpose, a person that has a purpose. He sees a person that he wants to call his child. And today you need to believe that, hold on to that, embrace that, and you need to speak that into your own life because God wants to speak it into your life. You need to talk. You need to declare instead of withdrawing and pulling yourself away. Secondly, you need to do this. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, we see Jesus talking and he says, listen, don't worry about the food. Don't worry about what you're going to eat today or what you're going to eat tomorrow. God is a God who provides. You need to trust and you need to believe that what God's word says is true. God's word says that if we're doing his will, if we're committed to doing what God has, that we do not even have to worry about the most basic of needs, that he will provide for them, that we will not even go hungry. Listen, you trust God and trust his word. Trust and believe. How do you do that? It goes on in chapter six. Pastor Fred just referenced it this morning. I laugh how he does that all the time. He must read my notes somehow. But in verse 633, this is a verse that is huge for us as the church as well, is that he says, seek first the kingdom of God. 
Man, so you need to praise, you need to acknowledge who God is and what he is doing in your life, what he can do in your life and who he is. And you need to do what he's called you to do. You need to put his kingdom first instead of the things of this world first. See, what happens is, is when I withdraw and I put myself in a place of isolation, what I'm doing is, and I'm saying, Jamie is king of Jamie's world. Jamie is gonna dictate what Jamie's gonna do. And what Jamie does is stupid every time. So, says it one person who knows me the best in the room. That's awesome. What we need to do is instead say, God, I'm putting you first. I'm seeking your kingdom first. God, this is what I feel. This is what I've experienced. This is what I've gone through. Here's the discouragement. Here's the failures. All those things aside, I know who you believe me to be and I know who I am because of Jesus Christ. And God, I thank you for that. And God, because of that, because you've given me this life, you've given me an opportunity to live this life, God, I'm gonna put you first and I'm gonna seek you first. God, I'm going today after your kingdom. God, I'm gonna talk to people today about Jesus Christ. God, today, I'm gonna be good and do good because you are good and you do good. God, today, I'm gonna live my life full on for you. I'm gonna put your kingdom first. When you do that, you reorient yourself to God's purposes and the things that are natural desires, they get put in the right place. Now, is it going to be a process? Yes. But it's going to be one that you can have where people are walking alongside of you in the church. And it's going to be one where God's standing right there. And what seemed impossible to you at one point is going to be more than possible. And then you're going to find yourself one day truly doing the impossible. Truly being celebrated by God, your church, and your family. Being the superhero that God's called you to be. Living this big, excessive, exuberant life. One marked Galatians chapter five, while we're going with this verses, this is the 24 virtues that we talk about in our discipleship method and our, and our, and our um, plan is that there's these sense, there's these things that should identify us and mark us as people of Christ. Right. Galatians chapter five, self-control, life, all of these things, peace and joy, they should mark who we are. And they mark who we are because they reveal the identity of who we are. And who's our identity? What's our identity? I'm a child of God because of Jesus Christ. That's where we should stand today. That's where we should find ourselves. So as the worship team comes up, everybody bow their heads and close their eyes. The question we've been asking is, is what kind of superhero do you want to be? Do you want to be one that is full and aware of the gifts that Jesus has brought into your life? One that cares for others, living an exuberant life. One that is faithful and compassionate. One that sees the good in others and brings it out in people. One that is loyal and free, in control and full of energy and blessed by favor. Is that the type of hero that you want to be? Is that the super life that you want to live? That is the life that we have and that is the life that we will continue to grow and continue to know as we commit ourselves to follow and live the life of Jesus. This morning, if you're here, there's emotional scarring in your life. There's deep-seated issues that are happening in your life that cause you to act in a way that brings harm, act in a way that excessively pulls you from the life that God has for you. I want you to hear and know this morning that God's grace is sufficient. His forgiveness is real. The life that is found in Jesus is not an idea. It's not a concept. It's not a religion. It's truth. That's one that you can know today. If you find yourself this morning as a follower of Christ, but you're still in that place, know that there's freedom that can be found this morning. It's yours. It's already yours. It's already received. It's already in you. See who he is and see who he's made you to be and who he's calling you to be and receive his freedom this morning. 
reach out to somebody who is a follower of Christ. Reach out to a counselor. Reach out to one of the pastors here at the church. Reach out to somebody that's in a life group. Reach out to somebody and connect with them and talk with them. Be honest about where you are. Find somebody that can help speak life back into your life. When you find yourself reaching for something to find a way to comfort yourself or to attack yourself. Instead, reach for a phone and call them so they can say, no, this is who Jesus is and this is who you are because of what he did on the cross and the life that he has lived is one that you can live. You are a person that is free from those things. You need to have those people in your life. You need today to have those conversations. You need today to reach out to those people. Today, if you are struggling with some of these things and there's some realities in your life that you find yourself in a place where you overeat, where you consume more food and and the foods that you shouldn't consume because there's some physical concerns in your life and there's some things that need to go. There's some things that need to happen in your body. I want you to know two things. One, it's not bad to go see a doctor. It's not bad to go and to reach out and find help there. Secondly, God is a God who heals and you can be healed today. You can know freedom today. You can know that healing power in your body today. All you have to do is ask. And today, if you find yourself in a place that you are struggling with this, you're dealing with this, this is a reality. Maybe your eyes have been even open to it today in some way because you have committed yourself, you find yourself looking to food as a sense of identity or purpose, or you look to food to to shape you and to, to mold you and to put you into some image that you want to be, whether it's good or bad. And there's some spiritual concerns. There's things that are happening in life that you, you either just wild, you're, you're just committed to just living this life freely and fully, or, or, or you're just disregarding the plans or you're disregarding the disciplines, you're disregarding the balanced life that God wants you to have. This morning, Jesus wants to lead you. He wants to show you that there is a balanced way to follow him. That you can just eat food to live and you can enjoy food, but you can also know and enjoy the life that he has for you. Not dulled, to his spirit, not dulled to his actions, but alive and aware to who he is full of energy doing the things that he's called you to do. So if you find yourself in any of those places here in the moment as we stand to sing this song, I just want you to stand and lift your hands, lift your head. I want you to say, hey, I'm a follower of Christ and my identity is found in Christ. I stand strong in Christ. And if I need healing, Jesus, heal me. If, if I need freedom, Jesus, give me freedom. If I need power through the Holy Spirit, give me power. And that is available to me because of what Jesus did. Stand up, believe it, sing it, claim it, speak it into your life. Thank God. Promise, or don't, don't just make promise to him, but praise him and thank him for the promise of who he is and what he's given you in this life. And this morning, if you do not have a relationship with God, you do not know who God is, you have not committed your life to Christ this morning, you can find freedom, no freedom. You can know life, this exuberant life of peace and joy this morning by saying, Jesus, I commit my life to you. I'm giving my life to you. God, I'm following you and I'm making you Lord of my life. You can do that in this moment as well. So let's all, let's stand, let's sing, let's give God praise this morning. From my heart to the heavens, Jesus be the center. It's all about you, yes, it's all about you. From my heart to the heavens, Jesus be the center. It's all about you, yes, it's all about you. From my heart to the heavens, Jesus be the center. It's all about you. Yes, it's all about you From my heart to the heavens Jesus be the center It's all about you It's all about you So we sing Jesus be the center of it all Come on, you sing it, sing Jesus at the center of it all 
From beginning to the end. From beginning to the end. It will always be. It's always been you, Jesus. Jesus. At the center of it all. Jesus at the center of it all. From beginning to the end, it would always be, it always been you, Jesus. Jesus matters, nothing else matters. Nothing in this world will do. Jesus, you're the center. Cause Jesus, you're the center. And everything revolves around you. Jesus, you. So from my heart, from my heart to the heavens, Jesus be the center it's all about you yes it's all about you from my heart to the heavens jesus be the center it's all about you yes it's all about nothing else matters nothing in this world Jesus, you're the center. 